I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm sure glad to be here. Uh, I'm so excited to get into the Word of God with you and, and find what God has for us. Uh, you know, I, I'm so grateful that there's so many more treasures and blessings and promises in, in God that I haven't even experienced yet that I want to, and I want to grow, and I want to experience those things, and, and I want to experience it right here with you as well. So um, we're going to go tonight, Second Peter, the first chapter. We're going to start there tonight, and so before we go there, why don't we have a word of prayer and just believe God for good things tonight. Amen? Father, we love you. We bless you, and and Lord, I'm just so grateful for your word that is a light into our path and a lamp into our feet and that guides and directs us and how Holy Spirit reveals your word to us, Father. And I'm, I'm so grateful, Lord Jesus, for you sending Holy Spirit to walk with us and to be inside of us and fill and flood our lives. And, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you would invade this place with your presence and your, your desires, your anointing, your strength, your power, and your love tonight. I pray that our minds be illuminated by your presence and that you would quicken our minds to have understanding of what God wants to say to us tonight, individually but corporately. So Holy Spirit, have your way here. Lord Jesus, we pray that you be blessed tonight by our, our hearts toward you and our gratefulness toward you and, and, and our desire and passions to follow you in all things. And we thank you for it and bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. So, you know, I, I'm... I get really pumped about sharing about Holy Spirit and the impact that God has had on my life by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that's where we were last week. And if you weren't here last week, I understand that it's, it's online now and that you can go and catch up with us, and, and that would be good. So I just, you know, we just go a step further each night, and I've got another night next week with you, and so uh, I may just hammer down on you, you know, I don't know, the next couple of weeks and really try to drive a lot home, but you no, know, in all, all reality, uh, we could speak about this for hours. And we could teach on this for hours of how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So many different topics. How to flow with His presence. How to flow with His guidance. And how to flow and tap into those gifts that are on the inside of you and allow the Holy Spirit to move through you. There's just so much more. And, and I'm so grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit who is my, my constant companion. Holy Spirit is my constant companion. And, and through the Holy Spirit and through His guidance, I have discovered how to be empowered by God's grace, a, a, a certain level of it, and a very a good facet of that. And it's important that we do that. I believe that the Holy Spirit is a conduit of God's grace. You know, and I, I read the scripture and where the scripture tells me about growing in grace. How, and I, I'm going to take you to 2 Peter here, chapter 1 and verse 2. And it says this, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How many of you want more peace? How many of you want more grace? Hey, the scripture right here says it can be multiplied to you. So it's like, how do I get that? How do I do that? You know, with all these things saying, I, I need God's grace operating in my life so that I can do more than I can do in and of myself, how I can accomplish more in and of myself. And then I ask myself the question, well, Lord, how do I, how do, I do that? How, how do I function in grace? How do I get it? flowing in my life how do I is it like a bolt of lightning it just goes wham and then all of a sudden I got grace you know or is it do I pump my spiritual muscles and I get grace and and I'm empowered to do more you understand what I'm saying I don't know if y'all are like me because I I'm like when I walked started started walking with the Lord when the preacher would say all you need is faith in God and I think yeah how do I get it you know if you'd show me how to get it I'd get it I need some practical steps toward receiving from the Lord. And of course, our, our title of this is, Have You Received Since You Believed? 
But see, there's just so much more for us to receive. It doesn't matter how far along you are in your walk with the Lord, there's still more. There's still more. And there's going to be more until the day I go to be with the Lord that I could experience in the Lord. And I'm excited about that. But it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Listen, it says, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and in other translations, the King James and the NIV, any kind of translation, it's talking about that grace and peace can be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus. If you look at the Greek, it says, in relation to full discernment. In relation to full discernment, grace and peace can be multiplied into your life. It's like, whoa, okay, there's an open door. As his divine power has given, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you need has been provided for you. Every price has been paid in the atonement. God has provided for you everything that you might need in your spiritual walk and your natural walk has been provided for you. And it goes on to say, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Listen, everything has been given to me, but you may not know that it's been given to you. You may not know how to lay hold of it. You may not know how to receive it and that you are who you are in Christ. But through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can begin to walk in it. So God has given us these exceeding great and precious promises that through these what? These great and precious promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. That means you can start walking it out who you are. And it says, having escaped corruption is in the world. You have already escaped that corruption when you ask Jesus into your heart and what happened on the inside of you. You have escaped the control of corruption. You just may not know it, right? But through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, those great and precious promises then can begin to be walked out as revelation comes. I believe that one way that grace comes is through revelation. Listen, I may have shared this. I told all kinds of stories last week. I may need to go back and look and see what I told so I don't tell it again. But in a broken point in my life, I've had a couple of situations where I learned through revelation and it brought grace to my life. I remember one broken point in my life. I lay up under our car trying to fix it. Couldn't do it. I, all the challenges, all the hardships. I, I may have said this, that I lay under that car and I just asked God. I couldn't even have the strength. I was weeping. Lord, just let me die right here. And heard that soft, gentle voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you can do all things through Christ. Now listen, I had preached it. I had taught that. I had told people that. But suddenly that day, I had a revelation that I truly can do all things through Christ. And I've crawled out from under that car realizing no matter what comes, we're going to make it. No matter what happens, if I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up. It was revelation that came to my heart. Oh, man. I'm telling you, when that revelation came to me, it brought an empowerment to my heart. It empowered me to live. It empowered me to overcome. It empowered me to get up and move forward. It empowered me to do things I wouldn't have done in and of myself. Are y'all seeing this? I saw it as God's grace through revelation that I can be more than what I'm acting like right now. That through revelation, that through revelation, grace began to manifest itself to build and increase momentum in my life. 
The power to do what you cannot do in and of yourself. The power to accomplish what you can accomplish in and of yourself. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is always guiding you and I toward being an overcomer. Our constant companion, the Holy Spirit, is always guiding us. I got peripheral vision. What was that? That's the Lord coming. Was that? <laughs> I feel anointing, uh, you know. I get sidetracked. Squirrel. Okay. Uh, <laughs> somebody behind me with a flashlight. Listen, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I told you the story of March 23rd, 1976, how my life changed. Um, you know, and as I, we started into our home group and we started, I started walking it out. I didn't truly have a mentor. I didn't have teaching. I, I did have a mentoring teaching wife <laughs> and, uh, no, it was really wonderful. But I, but I, the, as an example, I was in my, the things that I battled with and I warred with and I had attitude problems and I, you know, anger issues and troubles. And Kathy shared with me the scripture, stand over in James. It says these things that you war with, these fighting wars that you're warring with on the inside, that's you, not them. It's inside of you. But, and I realized, you know what? That's true. It was revelation. And I didn't have to be that way anymore. I didn't have to. I could change. I didn't have to be that person. So when revelation started coming, it started changing my heart. And, you know, on that night, March 23rd, 1976, when I experienced a supernatural healing and got filled with the Holy Spirit, my life changed. At 13, I shared with you how I went down to the altar and had experience with Jesus, and my eternity changed. Jesus made my spirit alive unto him. I became born again. But then at 21 years old, my life here changed. My journey uh, has been just to find out what happened to me all these years. Something exciting happened to me that night. And when, I, when they said, Stan, you can receive this, and I said, okay, I'll take it. And, I, and listen, I didn't share this part. I did have to say, he said, Stan, you need the Holy Ghost. I said, okay, give him to me. And he started to pray. But you know what? I was nervous. My knees were knocking. And for a bow-legged man, that's quite a big deal, you know. And I, my knees were knocking. And it was, it was somewhere I hadn't gone before. <laughs> I mean, it was a scary realm. But man, if God said I could have it, he done healed my leg, I'll take it. So don't let that hold you back, even though you might be nervous about receiving things from the Lord and say, man, I ain't never been here before. Hey, don't let that hold you back. God's got good things for you. So, you know, I, you know again, you know, I, I, there's so much we could teach on this, but I'm just going to, we're not going to deep dive. I'm just going to have to hit the high places for you. You're going to have to do a little bit yourself in studying, okay? But I want you to notice this. If, you, if you'll just get a hold of this, there's a difference in the life that is in you and the power that is on you. If you can grasp hold of that concept, there's a difference between the life that is on the inside of you and the power that is on you. One of the first acts that the Holy Spirit does when you, in the life of a believer, when you give your life to Jesus is to bring you eternal life, to give you eternal life. And listen, this transformation that happens, you got to realize it happens in your spirit, man. The man on the inside, the life and breath on the inside of you. It doesn't happen in your soulless realm, your mind and your thinking. It doesn't happen in your body. How many of you, when you gave your life to Jesus, you went and looked in the mirror and you looked just the same? Amen. And, and, and when you acted just the same at times, your mind, your head's all messed up, right? 
but it's in your spirit. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of the human spirit. I don't understand all the dynamics of how that works, but I know this, that he lives on the inside of you. And listen, when the Holy Spirit comes and makes a boat in your heart, you don't get just half the Holy Ghost and the other half some other time. No, you get all of him. That's life on the inside. Fruit of the Spirit born on the inside of your spirit. That you can love people. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, all those wonderful things. That's on the inside of you. Listen, John 14, the Lord said this. He said, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. You know him. In Romans 8, the chapter 8, verse 11, But if the Spirit of him, God, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells on the inside of you, he, will, he raised Jesus from the dead, he will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells on the inside of you. Listen, that, that, the dynamics of that, if you will take the time to meditate on that and see what the Lord would show you, because the Bible said he will never leave you or forsake you. And if that Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, God used to raise Jesus from the dead, dwells inside of you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. Another translation says he'll give you a new body. Yeah. Now let me, let me share you the, the, the picture that's in my mind. I was doing a funeral years ago, and it was a young woman, young, just a wonderful woman, about 34 years old. She was a teacher in the Fort Worth area, and I, they had asked me to do her funeral, and I really didn't know her. But I was sitting on the, the platform over here, and, and the, the podium's here, and they're singing a song, and suddenly God gave me a vision. He, began, he showed me a vision. I suddenly saw her standing right there. She was standing right here, and she was standing in front of this, uh, I, I would say a veil. It was luminous. It was some kind of a, it was a bear. It was, I don't know how to describe it. It was something that she stepped through. It was like a barrier, and she God showed me this. She stepped through that barrier, and as she stepped through, somebody had her by the hand, and she looked at him and said, oh, it's you. You were the one that was there when I needed comfort. You were the one there that encouraged me and spoke to me. What had happened was Holy Spirit walked with her in life, but he also walked with her in death. And after she passed the veil of life from that life to heaven, he still had her by the hand. And I thought, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit. I, I don't understand the dynamic of it, but he's with us even when we step into eternity. And he never forsakes us. Oh, praise God. That's Holy Spirit connected to us. It's so good. And listen, he said, the Holy Spirit said, the world doesn't know him, but you, you will know him. Because he's going to be inside of you. And that brings me back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the 31st chapter. If you'll go write that down, 30, read verse 31 through 34, where the Lord, the Lord said, he said, he said, listen, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. Not like the old one that you broke, oh, even though I was a husband to you, to the Israel, the children of God. So I'm going to make a new covenant. And in those days, he said, I'm going to put my law in your inward parts. And you're not going to need anybody to teach you again who I am. And I thought, wow, okay, now what does that mean? Uh, he's, he's prophetic. That's a prophetic word. God said, I'm going to make a new covenant, and I'm going to put it on the inside of you, and people aren't going to have to teach you anymore who I am. Well, see, back in the old days, back in Israel's day, they had to pass down through generations teaching about God, who God is, what God's done. It was from the outside and passing it down through the generations. 
But see, when the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, he confirms with your spirit that you're a child of God. You won't need anybody to tell you you're a child of God. You'll know it on the inside. Amen? Now, I'm cutting to the chase in some of this, that going through and walking through all the scriptures. Amen? Now, listen, have you ever, <laughs> I used you know, early days, I, it was almost intentional, but I could, I could I try to stir people up, people that said I'm saved. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, how do you know? I just know. How do you know? You ever seen heaven? No. You ever seen hell? No. Well, how do you know? I just know. Man, you can almost get them fighting mad. Because <laughs> they had this Holy Spirit on the inside confirming that they were children of God. Now, am I hitting home for all of y'all? Do y'all know that, right? No matter if somebody told you, man, you, you look like a heathen. How do you know you're going to heaven? Because I got Jesus on the inside. You got the Holy Ghost confirming it on the inside. See, that was Jeremiah speaking about today's time right now. See, I don't need the world to tell me God's real or not real. I know. I know on the inside by the Holy Spirit that he is. Now, there's this word. And I'm going to take you to a scripture in just a moment. And it's called sealed. This word is sealed. Let me give you a definition of it. When you're sealed, it's to stamp with a signet, like a signet ring, or private mark for security or preservation. And I heard this story that in marketplaces, and I, I don't know that it still happens this way, but... Back in the day when you had the prodigal son who came back, remember his dad said put shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger, and a coat on his back, and that, that ring represented more. That, that was like his debit card. <laughs> All right, yes, <laughs> authority. He could go through the marketplace and purchase something and put his stamp on that purchase and then go on and do some more shopping. And if someone came through the market and says, I want that, they said, no, it's already marked. It belongs to so-and-so. Now, I'm telling you, in the day of judgment, when the devil's trying to lie to the Lord and say, that one belongs to me. Do you know how he acted? He belonged. No, he's mine. He's got a seal on him that belongs to me. Let's look and see what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22. It, he says, uh, he has also appropriated and acknowledged us as his by putting his seal upon us and giving us his Holy Spirit in our hearts as the security deposit and guarantee of the fulfillment of his promise. Listen, that guarantee is non-refundable. Hello. But see, when you ask Jesus into your heart, you got the seal of the Holy Ghost. God stamped you. You belong to him. There's a life on the inside of you because of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Don't let the devil lie to you that you're not a child of God. You may not be living like it. <laughs> he might be telling you some truth about that, okay? Come on. But... You're a child of God. You're more than what you know. And through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can walk it out and experience his goodness. So, Holy Spirit in us gives us life. But the Holy Spirit on us gives us power to live the Christian life. Now, you've got to know the difference. You've got to understand some of the difference, right? You've got the Holy Spirit, all the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, living and confirming and sealed you as his. It's a life. You've got life on the inside of you. But you need power on you. The power for, is for us to, uh, our life as a witness before the world. Come on. How many of you want to walk in power? You want to be an overcomer? How many want the Holy Ghost work, uh, working on the inside of you and through you and out through you and touching lives? Man. I mean, he, it opens us up to the supernatural gifts and demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Listen, I shared with you last week. In Romans the 15th chapter where Paul where Paul said I have I have taught the message and by what I've done and what I've said I have 
shown the whole message of the gospel. In other words, he preached the gospel, but he also had signs and wonders. He said through those signs and wonders, the Gentiles came to God. The Gentiles, do y'all realize there's still Gentiles around that need to come to God? Okay, I, I'm not going to chase that too far, but <laughs> listen, the signs and wonders. How many people, <laughs> listen, okay, how can I put this, Lord? If, if the Holy Spirit moving today and signs and wonders and the miraculous were not for today, why would there be so much teaching in the Scripture how to do it? Why would there be so much Scripture in the Bible of how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit if it weren't still for today? Are you all with me? Amen. Well, okay, that's another sermon in itself. We're not going to go there too far, okay? Because I, I got another 10 pages of notes to go. <laughs> Acts 1.8, the, the Lord Jesus, remember, he told him, said, you go to Jerusalem, don't you leave Jerusalem. Don't you leave, because I'm sending the promise. He said in verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, to all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now let me piece it together for some of you that are new and walking this out. You've got to realize that you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. This is simply our earth suit. We're going to give this earth suit up, and one day God's going to give us a new one that is so much better than this. But our spirit's been redeemed, our soul is being redeemed, and one day our body will be, have a redeemed body. Praise God. You know, uh, listen, have you ever, let me help you understand you. Some of you, I come across people talking to people, and man, they are struggling. They're struggling as a Christian. And, and have you ever struggled? You know, I went down Sunday morning and I, I gave my life to Jesus. And I asked Jesus in my heart. And I got saved. I got all excited and everything. Well, the next week comes along and you're thinking, all right, it's Friday night. It's boot scooting Friday night. Let's go. And then something on the inside of you said, uh, I don't want to do that no more. What? You, you, you almost have a conversation and say, what are you talking about? It's Saturday night, you know. We're going to go, we're going to party, we're going to do this. But there's something on the inside of you that says, I don't want to do that no more. And you look over at Paul in Romans, the seventh chapter. He said, listen, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And the things that uh, I, you know, I want to be doing, I'm not doing. I'm struggling with something here. I'm struggling with something here. I got something on the inside of me that's not comfortable with doing the things I used to do. Well, listen, listen, look over in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It says, The Word of God is quick or alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing a, piercing and dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner or critic of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder the soul and the spirit. Now, let me tell you what happened to you. Now, when it says piercing, dividing asunder, in the Greek, that doesn't mean a chopping away, hacking away till it separates something. It's not, you know, it means with one whack, God separated something in you. It's like, man, and, and I, I think about it, man, you don't be trying to whack away at that sin till you finally get it all cut off and I can make it to heaven. No, man, when the Word of God came in, whack, man, your spirit became alive unto God. And your soul got left in the dust over here. Separated. It don't think like your spirit now. 
Your spirit has the righteousness of God on the inside. It's a new man created new, new creature, new creation. And your mind is all messed up. <laughs> I've thought about that over the times because in Ephesians 4.24 it says, Put on the new man, which is created after God in all righteousness and true holiness. So you got a new man that's righteous and holy on the inside. If anything's holy on the inside, it's your spirit man. The old man is that old flesh. He's the dead man, the old man. This man like you, like, dragging around that corpse. Man, that corpse. Don't, have you ever had anybody say, man, you are stinking, man. It's because you're dry, dragging around that corpse. It stinks what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's the old man. You ever looked at that and say, man, I don't like the way I'm acting. What I'm doing is just stinks, man. That's because you're living with a corpse. Come on, man. That's the old man. He done died and been buried with Jesus. But you're a new man, righteous and holy. Now, look, we struggle with this. And in Proverbs 3, 5, there was a scripture there that jumped out at me, too. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. But trust in the Lord in all your heart, with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Lean not to your own understanding. Because sometimes you don't understand all the workings of stuff, right? But the Lord says, trust him with all your heart. Now, I'm going to short it again here, too. I'm not going to go and tra- chase out all the scripture. But it also says the spirit man is the hidden man of the heart. And I'm just going to cut short. Your heart is made up of your spirit and your soul. But God says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Yes, but Lord, my spirit's on board, but my head's messed up. And then the Lord revealed to me one day, he said, the very thing, the word of God, alive and powerful, the one thing that separated your soul from your spirit in reality is the only thing that can bring it back into unity is the word of God. So when you renew your mind to the word of God, when revelation begins to come and you're empowered by the revelation and you get in in unity with your heart as one, I mean, man, you are a powerhouse. Are you with me? That's the only way you can trust the Lord is through the word of God and the revelation of his word. And then all these precious promises that God's given to you, all, everything that pertains to life and godliness can be yours through the revelation of God's word and who you are in Christ. And you can start walking it out. And you won't go, want to go boot scooting anymore, okay? So that'll be good. <laughs> all right, praise God. Listen, I want to talk to you about baptisms and the doctrine of baptisms. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the baptism of, of the Spirit into Christ. And listen, I, I shared with you, this with you last week. I, I, it helped me to understand about baptisms, okay? And, and try, the way that I looked at the doctrine of baptisms. There are three elements in baptism, right? I shared this just in real in ending things last week. Three elements. And we'll take water baptism because it seems to be the easiest to, to get it in your mind. Because we're going to have a baptism coming up. Real quick, and, and uh, so when water baptism, you have, you have a candidate, you have an element that they're being baptized in, and then someone doing the baptizing, right? I mean, that's easy. Three things. So in a water baptism, who's being baptized? It's the believer, the one who's asked Jesus into their heart, who wants to testify to the world that they're following Jesus. And what's the element that they're baptized in? Water. They're immersed in water, engulfed in water. And who's doing the baptizing? Well, the pastor, the minister is doing the baptizing. And so that's water baptism. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, though, let's talk about the salvation baptism. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by, listen, you got to get a hold of this now because you got to read into these three elements in this scripture. For by one spirit, we all are baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, all, have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, look at that scripture right there. 
There are the three elements of baptism are in that scripture. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. It's talking about the body of Christ, the believers, us who believe in Jesus, the context of that scripture. So who, who is the, the candidate for baptism? We all. We all. You and me. Gentiles, Jews, men, women, bond, slave, free, whatever, all those things. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ. Who's doing the baptizing? Holy Spirit. What is he baptizing us into? The body of Christ. The blood of the Lamb. We are all immersed into one body. We are all one in the body. See, it's like a spiritual baptism. When you ask Jesus into your heart, it's like the Holy Ghost says, about time, grabs a hold of you and immerses you into Jesus. Washing away all your sin by the blood of the Lamb. Come under the blood, white as snow. That sin seed that was passed down from generation to generation that was in your heart for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God for all have a sin seed, that seed was washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. It will never bear fruit unto death because it has been washed away. Amen? Whoo, that's exciting. That's salvation. Praise God. Are y'all getting a hold of that? Isn't that good? All right. Praise God. And then see, listen. Baptize into Christ. Then scripture begins to come together. Uh, when I began to see that, I thought, oh man, there's a spiritual baptism? In Galatians 3, verse 26, for you are all the children of God. How? By faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You have been engulfed in Christ. You have put him on. Everything about you is Jesus Christ. Because you were baptized into Christ. In Romans 6, 3, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, glory to God. Do y'all see where it's starting to piece together? It's a spiritual baptism. Oh, praise God. Now listen, here we go. Ephesians, uh, the fourth chapter. Now there's those that have built whole doctrines out of pieces of this scripture. And you'll see what I mean here in just a moment. Look in Ephesians 4, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now listen, here he starts naming them off. There's one body, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in y'all. <laughs> one God, one faith, one Lord. One baptism. And listen, I, uh, you know, that, that was something that, that was shocking to me at first in my experience when people, they began to piece some things together with that thought process. Now, well, let me just go further. I, okay, in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, here was my dilemma when I read Hebrews, the sixth chapter. It says this, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection or maturity. Do you know God wants you to go on to maturity? He wants you to grow up. He wants me to grow up and be more mature tomorrow than I am today. Not laying again the foundation. Here, foundational. What I'm telling you tonight, it's foundational principles of the gospel. Foundational. It's not even the deep stuff. Okay. Foundation of repentance from dead works. Because you, you, that's not part of you anymore. Well, we can't go there. And of faith toward God. Listen to this one. Doctrine of baptisms, plural, of laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is a basic 
doctrine, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. So I thought, oh, my word. One scripture says there's one baptism. Another says there's plural baptisms. Listen, the, the thing in Ephesians, when it begins talking about the context of Ephesians, about the body of Christ and the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, that it starts naming off the, all the things that, that link us together. Link us together. If you ask Jesus in your heart, and here we are in Victory Life Church, do you know you're in the same body as the people down in the denominational church down the street? Yeah, but they don't worship like we do. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, but they don't. Whatever. You could name so many things. But listen, if they call on the name of Jesus, we're all part of the same body. Amen. It's a common denominator with all of us. There's one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism. There is one baptism that links us all together. If that's true, if there is one baptism that links us all together, then it must be a prerequisite to all other baptisms. Do y'all understand what I mean by that? A prerequisite. It comes first above all else. I mean, before you get into calculus, a prerequisite to calculus, you got to learn your multiplication tables. you got to realize 2 plus 2 is 4 before you can ever do calculus. Are y'all with me? Well, the, the same thing with baptism. If there's one baptism that links us all together, it has got to be prerequisite to everything else. Okay, now here was my experience. So I got saved at 13, got filled with the Holy Ghost at 21, and man, was I excited. I had so much zeal. I had found out God is real, and I want to tell all my friends, I want to tell everybody, hey, I found God. He's real. He's not a myth. He's not a fable. He's the real thing. Jesus is the real thing, not Coca-Cola, but Jesus is the real thing. <laughs> man, I'd get them in my truck. I was back then, you know. 70, I know there's cops in the room, so I won't tell you how fast I was going. But I, I'd run up and down in those West Texas, out in those deserts, those back roads. Man, when you're running 80 miles down the road, they ain't going to jump out. I'd tell them about Jesus, man. I'd tell them about Jesus. I was so excited. I'd tell them everything about Jesus. And, and then I, I, I was working in the sulfur mines and had a job, and I was, we'd ride a bus every day back to the sulfur mines. It's like 45, 50 minutes to the, bu to the sulfur mines. And so they had these Greyhound buses. And so I met a guy that was a Christian, worked with him out in the plants. And, and uh, he got to telling me, he said, well, I got to tell him a little bit about my life. He said, wait, 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 wait a minute. If you wasn't baptized in water, you wasn't saved. What? And he, he shared a scripture with me that sounded right, but I didn't know how to study the Word of God at that point and really dig deep and see what it's saying, you know. And he said, if you wasn't water baptized, then... You wasn't saved. And, man, I was praying for the sick, and they were being healed. I remember a little old lady came to our uh, little old lady. She's probably at least 50 years old. <laughs> I'm way beyond that now. I was young then. But came, came to our, uh, you know, I told you our group just exploded. I mean, we, in six weeks, 70 people got saved. It's like a church born in that little old town. And the little old town didn't have 700 people. So we had a tenth of the people saved in six weeks. That's, that's exciting. That's the Lord. So Kathy and I, and I hadn't been married long, so I always like to sit by my bride, you know. So we went into this home group the, the, that night, and we got, there were so many people that beat us there. Man, people was excited. They showed up early. They didn't show up on a third song. It was awesome, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> and, uh, but we got separated. She had to sit across the room. There's only one seat over there and one seat here on the arm of this couch. 
So I sat on the arm of the couch. And there's a little lady right here sitting next to me. So the guy that was leading the teaching that night said, does anybody need prayer? And uh, she said, I do. And, and so she said, I, I can't see out of this eye. I'm blind inside. Will you pray for me? And, you know, I got so excited. I thought, wow, I get to sit here and put my hands. I could be sitting across the room, but I get to put my hands on her and pray and believe God with her. And we had a word of prayer, and then we went on. And here in about five minutes, she said, oh, I can see. What? I said, what? I can see. <laughs> so, I, so, you know, I, I was experiencing all these things in prayer, and I, we'd been invited to go preach in, in churches, and we're like, what they wanted us to do is get there and give my five-minute preaching sermon. That's about the best I could do, and then pray for people, and then signs and wonders would happen. Lives would change. And then, you know, later on, later on, the guy that was teaching, then it was, it was quite a while after, he started teaching about water baptism. I thought, what? What is that? I, remember, I didn't know anything. Water baptism, what is that? You mean they're going to put you under the, dunk you? I dunked people in the river and the lake a lot, you know. One time dunked Kathy, and she's never let me forget it in 46 years. <laughs> So, but he talked about water baptism, what it represents. I said, oh, really? We got to do that? Yeah. I said, well, let's get her done. We went out to the lake. I got water baptized. Well, now here's this guy telling me, if you wasn't baptized in water, you wasn't saved. So I had to go to the Lord, and I said, Lord, now what's that all about? I don't understand that because, Lord, if what this guy is saying is true, everything I've experienced up to this point is a lie. Can y'all see my dilemma? I mean, the experiences of being born again at a young boy and, and all those experiences and finding Jesus and him impacting my life, getting filled with the Holy Ghost and receiving my prayer language and speaking in a language I hadn't naturally learned and then laying hands on people and they're getting saved and, and their lives changing. Everything's a lie, Lord. So, Lord, here's the thing. I said, Lord, you're going to have to prove it to me in the Word. you got to show me in the Word. i got to see it in the Word. And so that's when he took me to Acts the 10th chapter. Go with me there, if you will. Look at verse 44. Now, this is where it follows uh, the story of Cornelius and his family. Remember, he was the, the, the uh, head of the, Roman, the uh, Italian regiment. He was a Roman soldier, and he loved the Lord. He really wanted to find out. If you look in chapter 11, the reason that Peter was drawn there was because he wanted to know, how do I get saved? And then you know the whole story. We, we, we're not going to go there. But how Peter was drawn there and, and the Lord brought him there to minister to them and they got saved. And he had his whole household together. Cornelius had his whole household. We're all believers. They, I mean, they believed in God. They wanted to know. And some other friends and acquaintances, they were all in that home. And they got saved. They received the message. They received remissions of sin. And so Peter is talking to them about when you get saved, you receive a rem the remission of sins. And then we find in verse 44, these people had such a receptive heart to receive. They, had, they didn't have any religious barriers that says you can't receive. They, they had this open heart to receive like I was that night. Lord, if you said I can have the Holy Ghost, then give it to me. I'll take it. And I got it. So, they had, so let's see what happened to them. And in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words about redemption and remission of sins and all this thing, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Wow, something else took place here. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. See, these were believing Jews. See, the Jewish people didn't even realize that the Gentiles were supposed to be part of the church. 
Not until this day. This is what we call the Gentile Pentecost. That was the day of Pentecost for Gentiles. They got it, okay? He said, they were, they were astonished as many as came with Peter because, why? The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now look at the next verse. For how did they know that they got it? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That was the outward sign was a speaking in tongues. Now I'm going to cover more of that next week. We're really going to get into that next week. Hopefully we'll challenge you some in there and encourage you at the same time. And then look at the next verse. Peter said, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Oh, my word. So here they were. They got saved. They got filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and then they were water baptized. So the Lord said, See, water baptism is not a prerequisite to salvation. So that wasn't the baptism that unites us all together. So... Spirit baptism. The Holy Spirit, I already covered this with you, that we've been baptized into Jesus Christ, and we should walk in the newness of life. Let's look at this third baptism in the short time that I have left. This third baptism. Listen, here's what people will say, and they have said to me, I thought I got it all at salvation. I thought I got it all. But how many people have I come across that maybe even sitting in here tonight, you sat under that thought process for so long, and then you thought, there has got to be more. There has got to be more. Well, that's where I want to take you tonight. Matthew, the third chapter, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, that John said. But he who is coming after me, talking about Jesus, he's mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, let's look at the three elements. Because there's other scriptures that say the very same thing. The man that comes after me, I'm not worthy to carry his shoes or untie his shoes. Says he, Jesus, will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now, who's the candidate he's talking about? You, the believer. Who's doing the baptizing? Jesus. What is he baptizing us into? The Holy Spirit. That's totally different than the other one. It's, and I've seen this. I've seen people listen. The day they got saved and gave their life to Jesus, they almost uh, immediately started speaking in tongues. I thought, wow, what an experience. What a picture. Look in the picture. Holy Ghost takes them and immerses them into Jesus. And then he passes them on to Jesus. And Jesus, I'll take him and I'll immerse him into you and empower him. So you got new life and got power. That's the way it ought to be, right? Oh, man. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, my word. Anyway, that's so exciting to me. So, now listen, I'll say this, and I'm just going to share about two or three more scriptures, and that's it. But then I thought, okay, after I've seen these different baptisms in this doctrine of baptisms, if there's one baptism that I have to have, because I've, I've also heard people say in certain churches, if you ain't been baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking other tongues, you ain't making it to heaven. Well, I thought, well, okay, that, that dispels my experiences too from what happened at 13. You know what I'm saying? And I thought, well, okay, Lord, if there's one baptism I've got to have that'll keep me from splitting hell wide open, which one is it? Because it seems like some of, you, some of you have got along without the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. You know you're Christians, right? Okay, that didn't sound too encouraging. <laughs> I have seen people in denominational churches. I went to a Methodist church for a while. 
And those people had more love in them than I was seeing in the groups that were speaking in tongues. I thought, Lord, what is that all about? That's for another sermon. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the reborn, recreated spirit of man that had the Holy Ghost on the inside. But see, if there's one baptism, I'm going to cut to the chase because I've got to get to these other scriptures. Is that if there's one, it's got to be, it's going to be that spiritual baptism that links us all together when the Holy Spirit takes me and immerses me in Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb that washes my sin away. That's the baptism I'm going to get. But I'm going to pursue these others because I want to experience them, right? I want it. I want it all. I want it all. Okay, now listen. As, as I go into sharing these last two scriptures, because I want, to, I want to provide an opportunity tonight for you, a time of prayer. Number one, but you need to answer these three questions, okay? Number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus baptizing in the Holy Ghost, is it real? You got to look at the scripture and say, is that real? The second question is, is it for today? Is it for today? Now, the third and most important question you need to answer in your own heart, is it for me? Is it for me? Is it mine? Would Jesus want to baptize me in the Holy Spirit? Me who have given my heart to the Lord, to him, as my master, my savior, my Lord, my friend and my love, Jesus, who is head of the kingdom of God, who will one day offer it back up to God? Would, would that be for me? You see, I see Jesus as the head of the kingdom. He is the head of the kingdom. He's king of kings and lord of lords. God made him the head of the kingdom. And he'll one day pass it back to God. And I see Jesus as wanting every, every resident in God's kingdom to be endued with power. To be endued with power to have power in their Christian walk to walk it out. So that people would see that, like Paul was saying, and say the kingdom of God is real. That Gentiles and others alike would come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants every resident to be endued with power to be a witness and walk it out. He didn't intend for all of us or any of us to sit on our pew and be nothing and do nothing. But to be a witness, a light shining in a world of darkness to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family. Are you with me? Look at the heart of Jesus. He is the one waiting to empower you. And if you've never received that, you've got to come to grips with, it's for me. It's for me. Now, I'm going to share these two scriptures. Luke, the 11th chapter, I want you to see something. I'm going to tell you this morning, some people with, I've seen the apprehensions over the years. Listen, God's not going to dangle it in front of you like a carrot leading you along. Look at Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 13. If you then, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children. Listen, as hard-headed as we are, we love our kids, don't we? We're not, when a kid asks for a, a loaf of bread, we're not going to give them whatever that other rock and a scorpion. We're going to do good by our kids. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more, it says, will your fa- heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God's not going to dangle it in front of you. If you say, Lord, I believe this is for me. I believe that it's, it's my God-given, blood-bought right to walk in your empowerment so that I can be a witness for you. I believe it's mine. Are you all with me? And then, then the last one, how do I receive it, Pastor Stan? How do I receive it? Galatians, the third chapter, verse 2. Let me ask you this one question. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? 
course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How many of you know there's not enough you can do or quit to get saved? You can't be good enough. You can't quit enough to buy your ticket to heaven. You can only do it by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. See, the demons believe and tremble, and that's not good enough. They've got to be able to confess Jesus is Lord. Let me tell you this. With any kind of apprehension, you've got to dispel it. There's not enough you can do other than believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a child of God. That's your prerequisite to receive the Holy Ghost. See, listen. People think, oh, oh, i got to get, I got to get a lot. I just got to be better off. i got to be a better person before I know Jesus will give that to me. No, he's giving it to you to clean you up. Come on. <laughs> he's, he's empowering you to become a witness, to live it out. He's empowering you with the Holy Spirit to change your life. Because he knows you can't do it on your own. Paul discovered that. About time we discovered it too, right? But Holy Spirit, who is our constant companion, will strengthen us and empower us. And next week, I'll show you. I'll, uh... <laughs> oh, i got to stop. we got to stop, okay? We could go for another three hours right here. But here's what I want you, if you've answered those three questions, is what pastor's talking about, is it real? Is it in the Bible? Is it scriptural? What are you sharing? Is it scriptural? And is it for today? Did it die and pass away with the apostles? Well, knowledge and wisdom didn't die and pass away. Amen. And you know what? Is it for me? When you answer that question, I believe it is. I believe that it's for me. I believe I'm a child of God and I, just, I, I can receive it because God wants to strengthen me and empower me to live it out.